Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, George Ruder, that's me, will be continuing our study on the book of Jonah. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Welcome to the fourth of six episodes taking us through the book of Jonah. Uh, if you are following along, we have ended chapter two. We're starting chapter three. Um, Jonah has prayed from the belly of the big fish and been expelled from the belly of the big fish. Uh, that happened at the end of chapter two. And so we'll pick things up in chapter three. I'm going to read all of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let's talk about Nineveh. This is the scene in the VeggieTales movie where Jonah, portrayed by Archibald Asparagus, yells to Nineveh, Stop lying! Stop cheating! And stop hitting people with fishes! I mean, we don't know exactly what Nineveh did to earn the judgment, but maybe it involved hitting people with fishes. Like, maybe it did. We don't know. It would have been weird 500 miles inland to do that, but, I mean, you know, whatever. It's fine. Let's talk about Nineveh. Jonah gets to preach to Nineveh. Now, it is worth pausing for a moment to consider. Could God have used somebody else to bring the message to Nineveh? Could he have said, all right, Jonah, you really want to go to Tarshish? Have at it. You go to Tarshish. I'll get this other person to go to Nineveh and bring the message. Well, maybe. But there are some things to do that just belong to certain people. As New Testament Christians, we look at Ephesians chapter 2, uh, chapter 2 verse 10 says that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. The implication of that verse is that there are some things that are to be done that are ours specifically to do. 
No one else could preach the message Jonah was asked to preach in the way that he was asked to preach it. Just like if other people did this podcast about Jonah, they would have different accents, different emphases, and that's fine. They would, they would highlight different things than I would, and that's fine. But I'm doing the episodes so you get my flavor on things. Sure, God could have sent somebody else, but it wouldn't have been exactly the same message. Uh, just like other people can talk to your friends about Jesus, but nobody can do it in quite the way that you can. It's worth thinking about. I'm also going to say this whole chapter is weird to our modern sensibilities. Jonah, a foreigner, goes into the heart of a great city, a city that would treat its enemies to such treatments as being skilled, skinned alive or impaled on a pole, he walks into that city and tells them that their city will fall in 40 days. And the people, in a way that would shock our modern minds, actually respond with repentance. They do what they know to do. They fast. They put on sackcloth. There is, for all intents and purposes, revival in Nineveh. We would be utterly shocked if this happened in our day, if some, some prophet walked into a city, I mean, not even a big city, any city, and said, your city's going to fall in 40 days, and then all the people decide, I don't want to be bad anymore. I don't want to be a jerk anymore. I don't want my city to fall. We would be stunned if this happened. We hear messages like Jonah's through our modern lens, and we think there is no way that anyone would respond to that. We know, because we read the end of the story, gosh, we'll hit Revelation at some point, I imagine. Uh, both literally and figuratively, we'll hit Revelation at some point. Uh, and we hear that people will see revival in their day, and we think, man, what would that look like? Because we can't even conceive of it. I'm going to quote Arno Gabeline. Quote, God delights to do the impossible, and never more so than in turning men to himself. Instead, then, of denying on the grounds of its human impossibility the repentance that swept over Nineveh, let us see it as an evidence of divine power. For this, not the episode of the sea monster, is the greatest miracle in the book. End quote. The message reaches the king, the king, and he orders all of his subjects, even the animals, to repent and to cry out for a rescue from the impending judgment. He doesn't ask his people to become Jews. He does ask his people to turn from their wicked ways because maybe God will turn away from his judgment. That's a fair thing. Uh, if you walked into Cleveland and, and said, Cleveland will fall in 40 days. The mayor of Cleveland might not say, everybody follow Jesus, but the mayor of Cleveland might very well say, hey, stop being jerks. Hey, stop being fools. Hey, turn away from wickedness. There are better ways to go. There are better things to do. 
And that's fair. The mayor of Cleveland isn't a prophet, and he's not an evangelist, and he may not even be a Christian, but even a mayor, even the mayor of Cleveland would know, um, if my city falls, that's bad for me and for everybody inside my city. So maybe if we stop being idiots, God will turn away from the judgment. There are also shades of the story of Noah here. It's worth saying, um, Noah preached judgment because the world had gone so wicked. Jonah promises a wipeout of Nineveh for similar reasons. So there's the thought, if they knew anything about the story of Noah, and probably they did, there's this, these shades of that story in that maybe they're thinking, okay, some people were rescued in that time, maybe some people will be rescued in this time. So let's talk about how God repents. Uh, let's talk about what happens at the end of the chapter and just rereading those verses. Verse, let's go to verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Let's talk about how God repented. God repents. God changes his mind. God decides not to bring the judgment that was surely to come to Nineveh. The people of Nineveh are saved in a literal sense. Again, quoting Arno Gabeline, quote, Though generalities must always be used with caution, we may say that never again has the world seen anything quite like the result of Jonah's preaching in Nineveh, end quote. Now, what does that mean? Did the Ninevites become followers of Yahweh? No. They turned from their wickedness and were spared judgment. Now, what does that mean for their ultimate salvation? I don't know. That was on the other side of the cross, and I don't think it's very useful to think too long about this. It is useful to think about what would happen if a nation or a city were to hear the preaching of the word of God and turn from their wickedness. Even if the people didn't each individually give their lives to Jesus, could God still spare the nation or spare the city from judgment? Sure he could. Would that make life better for the citizens of that nation or for that city? Would that lead to more human flourishing? Yes, then should the gospel be preached so that every person individually can find eternal life in Jesus? Yes, 100% yes. As Christians, we advocate for public policies that lead to human flourishing. And oftentimes, we're able to justify certain policies by saying, this is how God would do it if God were in charge. That's different than saying to individuals, you need to embrace what Jesus did on the cross. You need to accept Jesus as your Savior. Jonah is sent to Nineveh to tell them their city's going to fall. And that's the context of his message. It's about their city falling. It's not about each individual being better because they followed God. It's not about each individual having their own personal come-to-God moment. It's about a city deciding we can be different. 
We can be better. We can save our city from judgment. And that's something that's worth considering on this side of the cross. It is noteworthy that Nineveh's clock gets extended. God holds off on judgment. In fact, Nineveh does not get overthrown for another 150 years. It's 150 years before Nineveh gets turned upside down. Uh, so good for them. The repentance that they showed and the way they turned from their wickedness bought them 150 years. Six, seven generations? That's good news that led to more human flourishing for them in their day. Now, as we come toward the end of our time today, I'm just going to say out loud, this should be the end of the story. This should be the last episode on Jonah. There should be no Jonah chapter 4. There should just be a verse or two about how everybody lived happily ever after the end. Maybe a prayer of thanksgiving. But there is a chapter 4. And that means two more podcast episodes for us. And that means there's more stuff for us to learn from the backstory of Jonah. And those will be continued when next we gather. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.